0: Welcome to the Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, a weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Michael Broadcorp.
1: And I'm Becky Scherr.
0: And we're here today with a very special episode. We are celebrating our one year anniversary. So today we're going to break down everything related to the breakdown. We're going to give you some behind the scenes info on how we got here, what we've learned along the way, and our path forward. And we're going to break down some key moments in the history of the breakdown. We are very grateful. For you listening to us one year in. If you've been here all along, thank you for hanging out with us. If you're new, thanks for being here. And we encourage you to go back and to listen to some of our older episodes. And of course, let us know what you think. You want to hear more or less of anything? Any guest suggestions? We always appreciate the input. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. Well, Becky, we're here one year later. Would you have thought we would still be doing this a year later?
1: I mean, I was hopeful, but who really knew what it was going to become?
0: This has been fun.
1: It's been super fun.
0: I'm, are you surprised by how much fun it's been?
1: I am. I. I you know, I starting out, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect. It was such a foreign concept of being on this side of things. And so I was unsure of how much I was going to enjoy it, if it was going to be forcing something that of, of being in this space. Um. And I guess I like to hear myself speak. I like it a lot.
0: <laughs> That's great. We should explain to our listeners that our first episode, when it was called the Broadcorp Report, was on November 7th. So what we decided to do is, well, like, that was election day last week. I think it was the 7th or 8th. And so we decided to make sure that we produced some good content for on election results and on the GOP presidential debate. But we wanted to just do one special episode kind of highlighting the past year, and that's what we're going to do here today. So our first episode was on November 7, 2022. We have produced 65 episodes in that amount of time. We have not rested. We've produced a lot of work. And I want to note for our listeners that all of the podcast episodes, all of them have been produced and promoted uh, by Becky and I. We have done no paid promotion. This has just been... Her and I we had a, a producer that was helping us in our first initial shows, but Becky and I have taken it all on now and it's a team effort and every week we're cranking out content at least once a week. As you can tell by the math, there's only 52 weeks in a year, we've done 65 episodes. And so we have aside from doing at least one episode a week, we've done topographic we've done topical episodes bonus episodes when needed and relevant. And it's been an absolute gas. I've enjoyed this. The past year has been so much fun.
1: On the production front, I, I got to give you those, some pat on the back here. Um, you know, you really kind of went into this head first and figured out how to, what platforms to use, how to produce, how to edit, how to build the transcript, how to do all of the items that really it takes to, to have a product, to have this put out into the universe, and so I'm really grateful that you took that time, took that energy, and and do that every week. I know it's been a big undertaking. So, um, yeah, thanks for making this all possible. I'm glad to be a part of it.
0: But it's well worth it. When we started, it was called the BroadCorp Report, and we should explain to people that kind of how we got started doing this was a group of and Becky and I have worked in each, with each other in the past and all throughout the last ten plus years. But it was a group of colleagues, people that and friends that we know that encouraged us that they needed to be to get involved and do a podcast and have be a part of this conversation. And so we teamed up to do it. Again, let's go back because I'm still sensitive about this the Broadcore Report. That's what <laughs> it was originally framed as. And you were involved from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I didn't like the name the Broadcore Report. And I said that I think in one of our first recordings. I never liked it. Now that was a suggestion that was given to us to name the show, but I never yeah. liked it. I never yeah. liked it at all.
1: Well, I gotta, I gotta say I was fully supportive. You know, we kind of went through, built out a, a couple different options. It made sense. It was catchy. And Hey, I got the moniker, the voice of reason. I mean, zero complaints here. Anytime I can put that on uh, you know, on a badge and wear that proudly um, as a voice of reason, I I'm going to I'm going to take that opportunity. So it worked. It was, you know, a thing. And I think it was nice. You know, it it allowed us to have this evolution very, you know, I think, you know, six, eight, 10 weeks later when we decided to evolve to the breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky and kind of, I think a lot changed relatively quickly as we got our feet wet.
0: I don't think anyone was, when people were encouraging us to do the podcast, it wasn't a reflection on all the great podcasts that are out there, but just providing a different kind of perspective. And One of the things that we've tried to do is, aside from being able to carry a show ourselves, we've really tried to focus on guests. And I think the journey over the past year has really been, from my perspective, one of the things I want to highlight is the guests and what that that experience has been like. And I think that's unique. I think a lot of podcasts, what I've seen and observing them, and I'd like to get your take on this, is a lot of it's host driven that they're talking and they're having conversations. But I think very early on, and even in some of the planning stages, one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to have a place where there could be discussions. It wasn't screaming and yelling. That would come through our food fights and some of your football picks, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later. But with our guests, just creating that space where people could talk, where, again, this we're not recording on tape. This is, we got the internet, we got hard drive space. Just giving people an opportunity to explain and talk and have discussions back and forth, I think has been a very unique approach to our podcast. And I think that's part of the reason why we've been successful.
1: I agree. You know, I think that, like you said, with our conversations early on, that we felt that there was a void out there that we were trying to potentially step into I don't think it was ever about you as Michael Broadcorp and me as Becky Gallery share whoever I was then and now um but I think it's more about yeah the the environment that we're trying to do something that you know we've had continual conversations about republican messaging and us trying to be a part of that and opportunities and criticisms and just having that conversation uh, like we've said I think many many times is you know, saying that we can be, we can disagree without being disagreeable. And I think that that was something that um, has really been an emphasis of this, especially with, you know, the spectrum of guests that we have had from far right, far left agnostic in, in the middle. Um, I really think that that's where we've gotten today. And I'm, I'm proud of that. I think it's, it's I think it's been really great and learned well, you, a lot. Of the, oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, as well as being disagree- or being able to disagree without being disagreeable, one of the things that I've learned in general is just, um, well, from you in particular, if you ask, people say yes. I mean, the amount of guests that we've been able to get just because you've largely reached out to them, conversations we've had to be connected with them. Um, I mean that we've had so many incredible folks on here, um, but it's also been a great It's also been a great, uh, way for me to keep on top of what's going on and reading and, you know, and, and just keeping my, my feet wet there and learning. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a ton from our guests and the conversations we've had.
0: Yes. I think the prep, one of the things I've learned is the amount of work it takes to do this podcast. Even when, as we've carved out from the beginning, we just wanted it to be fun. One of the kind of the rules that kind of Becky and I had from the beginning is that this needed to be fun. And the day it wasn't fun is the day it was going to be over with. And we've really worked hard at making sure that the topics that we cover are engaging and that our approach to working with each other is fun and respectful. But it was always been about being fun, and it has been. One of the things I've learned is uh, you do amazing show prep, and you are always informed with the scripts and the material and the content. And you are correct in saying that over the last year, having a podcast... And knowing that you're going to talk about whether it's whatever the guest is going to talk about, but we have to be prepared and informed about current events. And it's really raised. I thought I was paying to it, paying attention to the media and what was going on before. But when you have a podcast, you have to pay attention a heck of a lot more. You have to look at it from both sides. You also have to, I think, when you're having guests on, prepare yourself for conversations and discussions, and think about it from their perspective and draw things out. And It's the guests coupled with the prep and talking with you. It's been a very educational year. Um, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from just having this discussion. There's technical aspects of this podcast that I never would have figured out. I was in the AV club in high school, which I always like to say. So I always love gadgets and technology. There's a lot of technical aspects of this show that we've learned that I've learned and that I just love doing, whether it's the audio, whether it's the clips, whether it's designing the graphics all that stuff we've done in house. And it's been just an absolute gas to learn how to do and be fun. The one thing I do want to say is that there is a lot of programs out there. and I'm not going to pitch any on air or share anything, but one of the things that I think we've tried to do is we always want to be value added to our guests. We're not trying to bring them on to ambush them. We're not trying to bring them on to create problems or put them in a tough spot or anything. We're trying to have insightful conversations, discussions, but one of the things we always try to do after every show is make sure that we are finding good quotes, good content that our guests have said that we use to promote our episodes. Some of that you can do AI and some other type of automation. But Becky and I have made the decision on the scripts, on the transcripts, is that we're going to spend time after each episode making sure that we're promoting exactly what our guests said, their position. Even if we disagree with it and use it as an opportunity to showcase what they've talked about, because we can talk about this more, but every time a guest comes on, they're taking time out of their day to talk to us. And it's important that we spend time promoting and advocating for what they said during the show, because we want them to come back.
1: And I think that's one thing that um, I guess I won't speak for you, but I think comes from our experience kind of being on the other side of things working for electeds or leaders of some sort um you know i've certainly been in situations where i've worked for a boss we take 20 minutes out of our day to do something um and we get there and the questions are so generic you can tell the interviewer does not have didn't put in any work to ask them something thoughtful about what they said previously or what they're acting they're just kind of like what's up what's new what are you working on you know and i think that they're it it is a level of respect we're trying to give to the folks we're talking to. It is also, you know, just letting them know, like, hey, we want you to he- be here for us, but also for yourself. And and I think there's been, you know, opportunities. I I certainly know that maybe uh, if we if we jump into kind of maybe some mistakes we've made along the way. I, one criticism I've heard is that we're sometimes not hard enough on our guests. But I don't think that's what we're seeking out here to do is to get gotcha questions or anything. I think we're trying to have those insightful conversations. And from that, I think there has certainly been things that have been said on our show that if we wanted to take it a certain route, we could pull something a little more controversial or gotcha-esque and and promote it that way. But that hasn't been our way about doing things. I think we've tried to be respectful. We've tried to be, as you said, value-added, have those conversations and make sure that we're just kind of... Um, putting more out there to educate, to inform, to have folks have access to a conversation that they maybe didn't have access to previously.
0: Yes, there's no question that based on your work experience and my work experience, we could invite guests on the show and splice up content and release it. And all we would be doing was be making trouble for our guests. and that's not what our intention is. Our intention is to When, whether it's a Democrat, whether it's a Republican, whether it's a journalist, whether it's an average citizen who's come on, someone who's not as as versed in speaking in public or talking, we have tried to accurately portray and promote what their message was on our podcast and what they wanted to discuss. We obviously disagree sometimes about what our guests say, but we've tried to be value added and be helpful and promote and recognize that our guests do not, there's a lot of places they can go to talk. And there's, we want the ability for guests to not only feel that we respected them, that we accurately portrayed what they said, that we didn't engage in any any tomfoolery or monkey shines when it comes to their quotes, but that we were respectful of both their time and their decision to connect with our brand. People do not have to come on our podcast. There are a lot of opportunities. Not only is it very easy for an individual to just set up a podcast themselves and do it with technology and software. But there are a lot of good options out there in the twin cities for podcasts and every opportunity, every time a guest has said, yes, that's an honor and it's a privilege to speak to them. They're taking time out of their day. I think the last thing that we would ever want to do is take someone's time and opportunity and have them come on our show and then promote or distort or create problems for them after the episodes get over. And one of the things I want to point out is that we discuss this in nearly every one of our interviews, either on the end or after. And every one of the guests that has come on our podcast has agreed to come back on. It's not because we're just going to sit back and let them say whatever we want, but it's because the experience has been respectful. They've been treated with respect. The conversations have been respectful. We don't cut people off. We don't uh, talk over each other. We give everyone the space and the opportunity to talk. And I think that's been part of the reason why we've been so successful, Becky, is because there's a lot of noise out there. And what we've tried to accomplish, even coming from the perspective of partisans, you're a Republican, I'm a Republican, you sold maybe more than me in some instances. But we put that aside, and I think our only criteria for guests is they have to be respectful to us, we'll be respectful to them, and they're people that we want to, we're willing to invest and promote their brand and their perspective on things. And that's been our only criteria. But it's the their working relationship, particularly between you and I and our guests, has been very productive. I have not heard, and not to put you on the spot, but I don't know if you have, I have not heard from one guest who's ever said, I don't want to come back on. I haven't heard from a guest who hasn't played a role in retweeting or sharing or recognizing that their appearance on the podcast was productive and respectful doesn't mean there's not going to be controversy generated. There's been a lot of guests that we've had on that have created controversy. This is politics. We're not talking about, we're talking about sometimes some hot topics, but I'm really appreciative of the people that have come on, but also their relationship and how they were treated that they they were willing to come back on future episodes.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, again, you and I have been on the on the side of things receiving media requests and have said no to to many media cr- requests back and you know all along the way, and uh, it's just been it's just been awesome that we you know to think of the spectrum, and I know we'll chat up a little bit more about guests here shortly, but that we've been able to get yeses from you know Walter Hudson and Lee Finke and Steve Simon and Aaron McQuaid and. Tom Emmer. I mean, it's just the spectrum of which our guests have fallen. Um, it's been incredible that we've been able to have something that folks from all aspects of the political life, the news life, um, have been have been saying, "Yeah, okay, this is something I want to do," and and use some of their precious time. It, it's been pretty cool.
0: We have had sixty five episodes by the time of this recording, so this will be episode sixty six. We've had depending on how you count it, I count guests coming back. So my count is 70 guests. Seventy guests over the last over the last year. And those are people that have come back a couple times that have been guests multiple times. And that's unique. I'm appreciative of every guest that has come on. And we'll talk more about guests here soon, but I just wanted to give those stats again. 65 episodes as of now. This will be episode 66. And we've had, by my count, 70 guests. Don't fact check me. I, I think I've done it the most <laughs> fairest way I can. And we've had great success both in downloads and plays. And boy, there's just a lot for us to be happy about right now.
1: I am happy.
0: Okay. What mistakes did we made?
1: You know, that one's tough for me. Not for like me I it's ca- not. Oh, you go then.
0: I'm pressing record.
1: Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's fair, but we learned, you learned, we learned from these lessons.
0: Pressing record.
1: Yeah. There have and been a couple times. A
0: there have been a couple times in interviews where I forgot to press record. Or what's also happened, Becky sent me a text during a very critical interview. And it was going on for a couple of minutes and her text was, "You pressed record, right?"
1: <laughs> and
0: she just was checking in because very recently we had another episode where I had not pressed record. But what I've learned is that pressing record is absolutely critical. And it's one thing I've learned very, very quickly that you have to press record if you're doing a podcast. Top,
1: top takeaway from today, press record.
0: The other thing is audio quality. We've had a lot of listeners very early on. Now we've evolved from where we first started to where we are now. And One of the things that Becky and I have been very focused on every episode is producing a more technically proficient and sound episode. Good quality, good sound, everything. And boy, there were some people, and I appreciated them listening. But they gave some us very stern feedback, yet productive feedback that we needed to work on the sound, the quality of our mics, and other things. And we took that to heart. And every episode, uh, we have tried to improve on uh, the technical aspects of our show uh, and make sure that the sign was good for our guests. And I think we've done a good job.
1: I will apologize that a few minutes ago, my dog was rustling on a plastic bag. uh, So there are still hiccups here and there, but uh, we're sitting here with microphones and headphones. um, Certainly not the, you know, taping off the just microphone on our computer anymore. Um, it, it, things are are definitely on the up and up, and you know, as long as the as long as the dog is um, acting accordingly, we're, we're we're here to stay.
0: Yes, one other mistake that I think I know I've made, but was pointed out very sternly by Jeff Cole, the Honorable Jeff Cole, who's been on a guest multiple times, is that we can't be too scripted. And Becky is, as I've noted, fantastic with show prep, and we produce scripts and content for every episode, and. We had a couple of episodes where Jeff was guest hosting, and, and he made it very clear that some of it, he felt that was, some of it was too scripted. And I think there's been some examples of where, particularly with some of our interviews, we expected to go one way and they went another. And I think that we, in our zest, to be sensitive to our guest time and to be prepared for our time, because we're not being paid to do this. This is something that we've decided to invest in ourselves that we want to be very efficient in everyone's time. And being efficient means being prepared and preparing scripts. But sometimes you can't script things as much as we've tried to script them. And, and the conversations and the discussions that we've had with some people have gone much different than what we planned. And we've had to learn to roll with it and plan for it. And that's one thing uh, I've tried to learn is to not be as scripted, to not be as prepped, but, you know, have questions, have some base information, but try to let the conversation go where it needs to go.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that's something that in the anxiety-ridden type of person I am on the front end, it was, you know, I felt like very much I wanted to draft out some thoughts, some full sentences. Um, Now I have, you know, a, a couple bullets here with some names and some little notes. But I do feel a lot more comfortable these days to not, you know, to go with the flow a little bit, to really listen and pay attention to what our guests are saying, what you're saying um, and try to build the conversation off of that more than my printed notes next to me.
0: Active listening is hard. I learned that from a judge once that active listening is hard and it is hard to actively listen sometimes with all this stuff going on because you're trying to make, you want to make sure that the audio is good, that there's. Everything's performing as it should in the episode, but you also want to listen and be engaged with the guests. And active listening is sometimes very hard. Well, uh, especially, and so
1: I think that, ahead. you know, you and I having to kind of also during an interview, texting each other, making sure, you know, that I have a follow up to that. Not, you know, not trying to do what I just did, where I stepped on your toes and talked right over you, you know, there's a ton going on. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been a, a skill to develop throughout this.
0: The evolution of this podcast has been interesting. It's really evolved. I think that was driven a lot by guests. I think of the guests and I think our frame up and discussions on wanting this to be a place for people to talk. I think we've tried to get people on the show, whether we disagree with them or not, or agree with them or not. We've tried to get people on that we can have good conversations with. And that evolution of where we are today has largely been driven by the guests. The only other big evolution has been your name. We used to be Allure and now it's share, so that's one big evolution.
1: Yeah, we're really, we're really getting into it. You know, I, I, I got married officially. We're having the big bash here in a couple of weeks, and uh, so big name change over here. But I do want to kind of maybe jump in here. So our guests totally is why our podcast has, I think, evolved significantly. Um, I want to jump into you know a couple of our our favorite interviews. I'm interested to hear if you had to say, you know, top. Top one or two. Obviously, they've all been enlightening. They've all been incredible. I feel really, like you said earlier, privileged to have these conversations and have learned and and so much from so many incredible Minnesotans. Um, but what what would you rank? You know, maybe top one or two guests.
0: Again, as you said, all of our guests have been fantastic. I think the interview with Scott Jensen was incredibly important. I don't want to take away from any of our other guests that have been on, but the Jensen interview really triggered, I think, a broader discussion inside the Republican Party and in the public that I was not prepared for. First and foremost, I would say I was very critical of Scott Jensen's campaign when he ran for governor in 2022. Becky, say your favorite thing you like to say.
1: I know you even endorsed Tim Walls.
0: That's right, I did. Stand by my endorsement. But we reached out to Scott Jensen after he authored a commentary piece in the Star Tribune about abortion. And we had him on and it was incredibly informative. That was another example of where we had that interview scripted and it went, did not go where we expected it to go. And so that interview with Jensen was an opportunity where I think we went, it was a longer show than what we normally do. And we let the conversation go. It was very important to us that that he got an opportunity to speak as it is with every guest. But I think there was more of a history with Scott Jensen than there was in any of our other guests in terms of that kind of combative style that I had particularly had with him. And so it was meaningful from the standpoint of that, he got to say a lot of things and got to say it on our podcast. And it broke some news, it made some news. It also led to some further discussions with a great panelist of guests, Kelly Fenton, Jovojevic and Leslie Rosedahl about where the party goes. We also had a follow-up conversation with Scott Jensen and I hope to do more with him down the road. But it was a very, I think, impactful moment and a real milestone for our podcast.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, first of all, it goes back to the earlier point. If you ask, they say yes. I think we were a little blown away that we got such a substantial, comprehensive uh, interview with the recent gubernatorial candidate for the Republican Party of Minnesota. And I... As you said, it really was one, I think we went in, we had so many conversations ahead of time, you know, prepping some questions on the route that we expected it to go down. And I think if you listen back, and if you haven't listened to this one, I certainly think you need to go back and listen. But I think there, I mean, there's quite literally a time where I think we were all a little bit speechless because we were so, it's so taken a different turn than we were expecting in a in a positive way, in a really impactful way. Of uh, and I think us letting it be kind of organically shifting and flowing that way really was to the benefit of us just kind of sitting back, taking a back seat and letting a conversation had be had that was really important in the in the overall narrative of Republican politics, Republican pol- Republican policy, abortion as a whole. And one that I think we will be continuing to have at least for the next year, if not the next you know, two cycle you know, cycle two, three beyond twenty twenty four. So um I was really grateful for his time. You know, we were very critical. And so again, I think it shows that despite being critical of Scott Jensen, he felt that this could still be a decent forum for him to have a conversation. Um and I, I gotta give him credit for stepping into it. I don't know that I would have, had it been, a, I was working for a candidate and got an invite from a podcast that had been very critical of him, I would probably tell my boss to say no, or my, you know, my friend to say no. And so for him to be willing to even come into this, um, got to give him props for that.
0: I think it, it was great that we had that opportunity to talk with him and have that type of conversation. I think that it's very important, and I'm going to keep going back to it. Just the discussions in the safe space. I think that's important is that right now, there's just a lot of noise out there, whether it's on social media and other states, and having an opportunity to give someone like Scott Jensen to just come on and just like take it away. We're not going to interrupt you. We're not going to scream and yell at you, and we're not going to cut you off, and everybody's going to get a chance to speak. I really think is a great concept.
1: You know, and I. Uh, from my time working heavily in partisan politics, you know, a lot of the folks, the activists, the volunteers, um, the operatives, you know they, there's there's one way of thinking and talking about things. And if you're you're not saying, you know, you're not always exposed to more options and more variety of opinions. You know, it's usually there's there's a certain kind of persona that is that is put out and put forth in those environments. And so, That's kind of what I like to do here, too, is that we can kind of peel back that onion a little bit and bring some, maybe some topics that are not talked about a lot or talked about in a different way, just sharing some more information. I think especially, you know, I'm not looking to get into an issues debate here, but when it comes to abortion, I think that that is one that there's been so black and white and now starting to kind of move into the gray, which I think a lot of that Jensen interview, was about um, some of the stuff we talked about, Nikki Haley on the debate stage. I mean, we've talked about this issue with a lot of our guests on both sides of the aisle. And I think that's kind of what I'm, anything that we can do to have that conversation, whether Scott Jensen or Aaron McQuaid, to give people a little different perspective, I think is incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, you and I both have been identified as partisan Republicans. And what I think is important is I appreciate every guest that's come on. But I also want to just highlight for a second the, the Democrats that we've had on, Erin McQuade having her on, um, having Ken Martin, and, and that working relationship with the DFL that we've had. Not as an, we're, we're not being co-opted. They're not being co-opted by us, but we're willing to have a brain discussion, uh, join forces, prom- cross-promote episodes. I think that's what Minnesotans want. I think that's been a reason for our success is that if you can get Democrats and Republicans in the same room talking in that way, Talking and having respect, respectful conversations, I think is simply remarkable. I will say to you, we did one episode at the DFL headquarters, and then we hosted one that we did uh, where we record some of our, our episodes sometime. And that conversation between Chairman Han and Chairman Martin turning into a, a very deep policy discussion was just an absolute treat to witness. And just to be a guest in that room um, while that conversation was going on, it was just remarkable and it, one, of the, one of the best moments I've had on the podcast
1: hundred percent. And I mean, I think even just facilitating that for the two, you know, like being able to be there in person was incredible. And just to like, they do a lot of events together and interviews and sure they have the, but they never have a two hour conversation about substantive policy like that. And to the, even that those guys were able to be in that room and so respectful of each other. Sure. There were zingers back and forth a little bit, but to be able to be willing to sit there and then shake hands afterwards and say, you know, see you next week at whatever event is coming up was just fantastic. And, um, I, as you mentioned, you know, I always, whenever I've worked in politics, I've, I've often kept my mom in the back of my mind of, you know, she's one that is always informed, watches, you know, the nightly news, regionally Noka County union, she's informed, she votes in all of that. But this kind of horrific, you know, disjointedness in politics has just driven her crazy. And so I think that, like you said, the fact that we had Walter Hudson and Lee Finke, who had probably the, one of the more memorable sparring matches on the House floor over policy, that they both came here to talk about that policy in a way that is, again, just educating and giving more information uh, on both sides of, of that policy to our listeners and to us, it has just been really, really great. And like I said, learned so much myself, and I'm pleased that we we're able to like continue those conversations to the public.
0: The interview with Lee Finky meant a lot to me. Representative Lee Finke meant a lot to me because I think it's fair to say that I don't think there's a a member of the legislature that's endured more this past legislative session on a a personal level. The attacks, what she's been through, and the fact that she was willing to come on and talk to us. And it 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 was a very important conversation, I know, for both of us and her willingness to come on and talk with us in in, in that type of way, I thought was very important. And it was a very meaningful interview. Again, every interview is important. And I I love every episode. And I appreciate every guest that comes on. But the interview with with Representative Finke just meant a lot to me that there was just a lot of ugliness that she's received. And to come on a podcast and talk about it. And I think all of our guests that we've try to create that little bit of safe, safe space. Steve Simon. Steve Simon is Minnesota Secretary of State. Uh, partisan issues that get into on a daily basis. And he's right in the, in the heat of it, right in the battlefield. And to have him come on and just be that calm voice and explain things. Again, what I liked about that episode a lot was it was a real contest between you and Steve Simon as to who was the bigger nerd. <laughs> and you are, you in your fight, you're a nerd. You're a political nerd. And it was great to see that exchange between you and Steve Simon because it was a real contest to be that kind of nerd. And that and- uh, was great to see. It was great to see what happening. But I also think it's important. It also frames up exactly the type of brand we've tried to establish, which is that we want to cut through the noise. We want to break things down. Again, it's breakdown. We're not having breakdowns. That's <laughs> what we've had to explain that a few <laughs> well, times. But that election episode and that interview with Steve Simon, Becky, is exactly what we've tried to do, which is you and I have staked out a claim about election denying and misinformation. And to get Simon to come on our show, I don't know what the demographic breakdown of our podcast is. I have a feeling that it's listened to pretty extensively on both sides of the aisle. But with our partisan backgrounds, on any given episode, who knows? But it was important for us to be like, okay, we're coming into an election cycle. There's been a lot of misinformation. Independent of where you are and how you're going to vote, you got to have faith in the election system. And having Steve Simon on, I think, was a really good opportunity for us to invest in democracy and help make the election process a little better by showcasing someone who's just a tremendous advocate for our elections uh, and democracy in our state.
1: And uh, absolutely. to the political nerd in me, um, you know, I've worked in this world for about 13, 14 years now. Um, I feel a little disillusioned by, you know, like a presidential rally or, you know, some of these bigger events. I'm like, I feel like I've been there, done it. Um but to have Simon on and, and and honestly, I it was one he said he has listened to our shows and named a few you know key points that he had liked from the past. Um, I texted my mom afterwards. I mean like, oh my God, you know we just interviewed Secretary of State Steve Simon and he listened to our podcast. like that it, it really was a really cool moment. So it was nice to have a little of that spark back of of doing some of this. It was um, fantastic. And then uh, one key point that you just set hit uh, reminded me of one of my other favorite interviews. Um, you talked about misinformation. And and one of the things when we talked to Pat Kessler, you know, really talking about the disinformation versus misinformation. And, and he was one of my favorites. I mean, obviously, he is just a brilliant communicator in general because he spent his life doing that. But to me, that was so fascinating to have so much time with somebody who... Um, I think it's really impressive to have somebody who has worked in this world so close to campaigns and politics and policy over the decades um, still really be able to kind of be that agnostic voice and and be, you know, able to be informed. But he wasn't taking sides. He's never been one. You know, we've worked with a lot of reporters along the way um, that their job is to be, you know, not taking a side. But you know where they stand on things. You know when you're talking to some reporters what they're looking for, and if they're not going to get it, you're not going to get your boss included in the story. Um, so Kessler and, and his perspective on a lot of things was was a really and in, in, you know fun fun conversation and interview. Um, I was I was pumped about that one too.
0: I also want to acknowledge Representative Hudson and I, Walter Hudson and I had sparred a little bit on social media, and one of the things that has happened, I think. I've seen examples of this in other parts of my life, particularly in politics. But when you sit across from someone uh, and you talk to them face to face, that really lowers the temperature. And the advantage that comes from us speaking with Democrats and Republicans and all the guests that we've had is it really lowers the temperature. And my exchanges and conversations with Representative Hudson have become incredibly much more respectful. I don't agree with him on everything, but I'm willing to I'm willing to recognize and appreciate his perspective. We've had him on multiple times to provide some analysis on the GOP presidential debates. We hope to have him on in the future. That's an example of how the podcast can be uh, so beneficial to both the political conversation, but how you look upon people. Because when people come on and they just talk to us, we're having that conversation. And again, our perspective of wanting to elevate our guests, have good conversations, every time we leave, uh, we feel a little bit more connected to them and that makes our kind of approach, to, our overall approach to politics so much more different. And we're trying to offer, I think that good, fresh perspective and recognize that we can disagree with people but not hate them and, and, and be so obstinate with them. One other interview that I thought was very important from us, just from a process standpoint, was getting Dean Phillips on the podcast. What that meant to what that meant to me, I think what it meant to us was that it was a national candidate running for president. And we were able to pull that off. We interfaced with the presidential campaign, got him on the podcast, and pulled that off. He went from CNN to our podcast. And it was great. And it was a great opportunity to not only speak to him, but have that type of interaction with the presidential campaign, and that they were willing to invest in our brand new that it wouldn't be risky, that we could have a good conversation, and that we would promote it responsibly. Again, No one ever has to come on our show. We're not required to have guests on, and and people are not obligated to accept our interviews. We've had a very high success rate in getting people to come on our shows. And one thing that Becky and I are never going to do is politicize and make an issue out of who has been able to come on and who said now isn't the right time. We've never tried to do that because we recognize that every guest that we've had on, Democrat, Republican, journalist, average citizen... The topics that we've covered on, they don't have to come on, but we've been so appreciative of it. And uh, we hope to have more of those types of guests on. But just from a process standpoint, you and I both understand politics extensively and getting a presidential candidate to come on, having them come on from New Hampshire. And literally, I was in my room and CNN was on and I knew 15 minutes later that like I was going to be on the podcast. And that was really fun to have happen.
1: That's, I mean, it's it's super cool. It was the day after I announced that, again, the fact that they said yes and were willing to take 20 minutes for us was, it's, it's sometimes, a, I, I'm sometimes still a little in disbelief when we get some of these, you know, they say yes, and then they come on and we have the conversation and you sit there and you're like, cool. I mean, it's just cool.
0: Here is one other topic I want to bring down about guests. We've covered local, state, national politics, and international affairs. There has not been a subject going on Now, we haven't covered everything that's been going on in the world, but we've had people come on and talk about local issues. We had Patrick Connolly, who we've done some work with, I know you do some work with, to talk about the carjacking situation involving his family. We had Colleen Kelly come on and talk about her daughter being a victim of a a vehicular uh, accident and the criminal justice system. We've had, obviously, legislators on talking uh, state politics. We've had people like Congressman Tom Ember, the House Majority Whip, come on and talk about national politics, but even dipping into international affairs. We had former United States Senator Norm Coleman on to talk about uh, what's going on in Israel and the Middle East regarding when the attacks from Hamas. We had Jacob Milner come on for the American Jewish Committee to talk about the rise of anti-Semitism, both in the United States locally, but also at the international level. And so there's not a subject matter that we've not been able to pull together a guest to talk about. And again, all of it's been driven by combination of what we're interested in doing and what's in the news and we've had an again incredibly high success rate we hope to have more guests on as we continue to do this through the next year but we've really shown some depth on this podcast and delved into subjects as i think we've disclosed i was not expecting to get into i would have never thought that when we started this podcast that we would be dealing with local state national politics and international affairs to the level that we have and who we're bringing on is informed stakeholders and subject matter experts. We're not winging it. We're not getting on and, and engaging in a quick search of Wikipedia before we talk about those subjects. Becky and I are trying to get, as I said, informed stakeholders and subject matter experts on, and we're going to continue to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, if you told me we would be talking to Senator Norm Coleman about a terrorist attack in Israel and and what that means for Jewish Americans, Jewish people worldwide, I mean, never would have crossed my mind. Um, but again, it's it's an area that I um, had to do a lot of prep work for to make sure we're ready for that conversation, learned a ton from it, and just feel very privileged that we're able to – To talk about that, everything from something as serious as that to, you know, poking fun at presidential candidates or, you know, different gaffes on the campaign trail and everything in between. It's been a, it's, as you said, it's been a gas. It's been, it's just been absolutely wild.
0: And, And one last point on the guest subject before we move on for our plans for the future, but we've also done, we've recognized the need for breaking news and we've tried to pull together guests and make sure that aside from our regularly scheduled guests, we, as we've said, we try to produce weekly we've, and we have produced weekly episodes. We've taken a couple breaks during the year based on circumstances that needed another travel and personal life things going on, vacations and other stuff. But we've done a number of special bonus episodes and those special bonus episodes have been focused on breaking news. Uh, the Trump lawsuit. We had James Dickey and Dave Thule on to talk about the Trump lawsuit and the, and long before before it was scheduled to be in front of the Supreme Court. We had Andrew Prion talking about what happened when she was you know, briefly appointed to lead, to be the cannabis director for the state of Minnesota. We've had a number of legislators from both sides of the aisle that have been willing to come on and do deep dives into these issues. And I think that's where I think we want to go in the future is more of these deep dives.
1: Absolutely. David Fitzsimmons was another one of my favorite ones recently when the whole speaker debacle was going on in, in D.C. And again, I think it, Maybe highlights that this isn't something we can just sit down one day, tape five episodes, and we're done for the month. This is something we're every week studying, every week reaching out every week doing you know doing something to continue to provide a service or provide a something a product to to anybody out there that that we're so grateful listens
0: that's right. Plans for the future as we move forward, where do you want to go?
1: You know, like you said, I love the idea of continuing these deep dive conversations. I love the idea of continuing to bring in different perspectives. We've talked, you know, I think a couple of ideas that I'd like to come back around to, we've talked about bringing on some some young voters, both sides of the aisle, having conversations, um, maybe doing something, uh, having a little bit more of uh, similar opportunities like we did with David Han and Ken Martin where we have two folks on to speak about you know not in a combative way but again having respectful kind of dialogue of people of opposing viewpoints um and then of course you know I think I always come back we're going to come into 2024 there's going to be campaigns starting I think that's obviously very exciting um and I I I hope you know, again, while when we're talking, we want to talk to Republicans and Democrats, I hope there is something to provide or to have conversations about the Republican messaging side of things. I think that, you know, is something that we've talked and had lots of conversations about. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And I hope I'm hopeful that, um, you know, Republicans are are setting the groundwork and framework right now for what that is going to look like in 2024. We know that if some of the issues that are going to be top top priorities. And so continuing to have conversations and hopefully playing a, you know, it'd be nice to see some evolution and and some growth uh, amongst our candidates. I think there's a lot of good things happening within the Republican party, our candidates and, and that system. So I'm still hopeful that Republicans can, you know, pull it, pull it together for 2024 and beyond. Um, but I'm not saying that in, as in I'm supporting President Donald Trump. I just want to clarify that as well. So I'm speaking more locally, statewide here than than on a national scale. Um, but what's your what's your thought? What are you what are you hoping for as we as we move forward?
0: I, I think a couple of things. One of the things that we've done a really good job is breaking down these issues, and I think we need to have, particularly on some subject matter on topics. I think. I think there's an abortion episode in our future from a couple different perspectives that I think we need to get into. I think it would be very insightful. I will also say to you that our panel discussions have been really important. And coming into the presidential race, I'd like to do more of those. We've done a couple live streams. Those have been great episodes. But one of the things that we're trying to do is break things down and not just you and I and getting some voices in. And I'm very proud of those of the discussions and episodes we've had about the GOP presidential debates with uh, Representative Hudson, John Rouleau, and, and Preya talking about where we're going. We're, and each week or after each debate, doing one of those episodes has been incredibly important and providing a fantastic service, I think, to our listeners. And so those are the type of things that I think we're going to go to more. I'd like to see us do more is really break down some of these subjects and also have there be a little bit more of a back and forth and a debate. One of the things, as you've pointed out, is people have said we've been far too nice people have sometimes also said that you and I aren't far too nice to each other on air and they're looking <laughs> for more disagreements. And we can talk about more disagreements, but that's just not our style. I don't think it's our style to uh, tear into each other on the podcast. I think there's a, a mutual respect and appreciation for our various life circumstances that brought us to this episode. But I do think that finding opportunities for some deeper discussions and maybe having some pros and cons uh, on some of these episodes, I think will be good. The only condition I think that we both have is that when you have those type of discussions, we want to make sure that people get an opportunity to talk, that everyone gets an opportunity to speak. And I don't want to have episodes spiral into a shouting match, but respectful conversations pr- from both sides. And I think that's an opportunity I think we're going to go. I will say without mentioning any games, we have some very good High profile interviews coming up uh, within the coming weeks and months that we've already got on the schedule. And so there's a lot of good things coming for um, so the breakdown of Brock or Rebecca. One last thing I've had a number of people say to me that we should do more is talk about our backstories. We've highlighted a little bit our stories in the past, telling some potentially some old war stories or old campaign stories. We have relied extensively and heavily on your congressional experience and working in Congress. I have never had that opportunity. And it's been a tremendous benefit to the podcast to dip into those national politics and to get those type of guests that you've been able to get for us at the national level. But some of, I've had a number of people say that, boy, it would be nice if you and Becky shared an old war story from this campaign or that campaign. And so we might, I think, try to find a way to include some of more of those in. I think some people would appreciate understanding our, our evolution as to how we came to being where we are and how we're doing this. I think it would be interesting for people to see it. And I'd like to even include some more of those stories in the near future.
1: I love that idea. You know, I think we spent so much time and it's a wild and crazy world that, um, you know, the general public only sees a a tiny fraction of. So being able to share some of that behind the scenes, some good, bad, and the ugly of of that world um, would be great. And then just kind of along those lines, one thing I also wanted to just add to my list of kind of goals as we move forward is, um, you know, I think... As we started in talking about a little bit about, you know, you feeling politically homeless and me also not necessarily identifying with a lot of the Republican Party and what it stands for, um, it's especially in some social issues side of things. Um, one thing that I maybe just will hold with myself, but also in our conversations, um, I, I like the opportunity with some of our guests, with some of our listeners is kind of just that we are able to provide a different view of republicans that not all republicans were there on january 6th storming the capitol and are on you know president trump can do no wrong side of things that we can be a little bit more reasonable we can be disagree without being disagreeable we can have differing of opinions on important policies that move our state our communities our country forward um but to try just kind of show that like i don't want to like mass generalize but there we can be have some common sense in the republican party still and while it's a silent majority maybe i i definitely think that is the majority of the republican party uh, you know i would like to think at least and so i think that that's something i want to continue to show at least myself and and hopefully as you know with you on this podcast is that we can still stand for the republican party and you know as a whole and and what we stand behind um and and maybe in a small tiny way move the needle towards that side uh you know being a little bit more vocal being a little bit more out there not in the magalane and and maybe bringing some people back over to our side
0: you're absolutely right i look forward to that discussion and being a part of it and anytime there's an opportunity for me to to be a part of anything that's labeled as common sense i'm gonna dive (laughs) right in because there's no one better than that than me Um, voice of
1: reason baby
0: voice of reason i do want to get into a little bit of controversy here before we go on two topics one of the things we did, and this is a little, I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball.
1: Oh, no. One thing
0: that we did that has been a source of a massive amount of frustration is the food fights. <laughs> I, I really, by the way, will say to you, I enjoy our food fights. You have terrible food takes, just absolutely terrible. And I
1: agree to disagree.
0: Part of the reason I'm bringing it up is because we're getting close to Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is a couple of weeks away, which is turkey time. And I want the listenership and our listeners to know that without any hesitation, we have, aside from where I have stood on turkey versus you with ham, all of our guests, nearly all of our guests, have supported my position of, of being. Oh, it's not been 50-50. it It's been really, I don't mean, know, maybe ninety ten. I'll give oh, you ninety okay. ten.
1: Okay, I'm going to go back people- to the archives and and start a tally here.
0: Yes. Speaking of archives, I will note that one of the things I'm going to start doing over the next few weeks is rolling out some of our, our old episodes um, and talk about. Because one thing I'll just say quickly: pivot um, and thank you for reminding me um, or bringing that subject up. We have done a lot of relevant episodes. We've done first of all, all of our episodes have been relevant, but relevant in the sense of you can go back to them and re-listen to them. And so we've had a number of conversations. There's been we did a conversation with Jeff Colvin and, and Walter Representative Hudson about protests at people's home. We have conversations about, about what's going on in the Middle East right now with, again, with Senator Coleman and Jacob Miller. there's an incredibly informed discussions that are going on. And one of the things that I've come to realize over the last year, um, particularly our episodes over the last year, is that the content can be repurposed and shared again, that our, the, these episodes just don't have a one-week shelf life. And so I'm going to be spending some time highlighting some of our past episodes because they're still relevant today, there's conversations and discussions going on. There's still some of these issues that are still percolating, and it's it's worth going back and discussing. Your food takes should be lost forever. Your food takes are just simply horrible. And uh, but that was fun to do. So that fun. Really, that was really fun to do.
1: Um, two things on that subject. One, I will say that we even had somebody tweet this weekend bring back the food bites or I miss the food fights. So, Hey, we got one like person out there, like in, like in the food fights, but I want to, uh, Oh, you got, a, got something on that. I think
0: it was in response to how bad your football takes are.
1: <laughs> Nobody needs to know the context. Okay. It was a tweet. Yeah, it happened. Just, wanted to, <laughs> just wanted to clear.
0: Uh,
1: but so I want to, I want to chat, chat about Thanksgiving and Turkey versus ham. So obviously we're eating Turkey on Thanksgiving, right? So this is going to be a thing. Yes. But you were saying that you're okay with ham as like a pre-dish, so like, are you? Does your family going to have like a ham appetizer before your turkey dinner? Can I? I, I I've been thinking about obviously
0: there will be. First of all, it's, it's turkey day, but there will be a ham there for those who want an additional option, and, and, I, and I don't have a problem with that. I don't believe that ham has any main role in a meal at all. At best, it's a starting act. It's a warm-up act. It can play a supportive role. It's not a main dish. But that's it. It does nothing for me. Absolutely nothing for me.
1: I got one follow-up because so our big our big wedding celebration is in a couple of weeks. Um your you and your your wife are are coming. Um and so the options were, were chicken or pork. Now you chose chicken. So I gotta know, is this like an anti pork thing as a whole, or just you tend to lead towards birds over, over pork,
0: over pigs? I've- I have to tell you that based on the strong public position that I've taken on ham and the you fights, did it that out had, of principle? I did it completely out of principle. There was no way I was going to pick pork. You knew there I was, was no,
1: going to come out for you if you were, if you chose pork.
0: There was no way I was going to pick pork. Cause that was going to come out at some point. And I knew that's data only you would know. And you and your husband would know. And there was no way I was going to get that out. And I, I did not want people to be taking pictures at my plate. I, I got to be consistent. There's, they said there's no same place for me now. I can never have a ham sandwich. It's got to be you no. Know, so no.
1: I, I do wish I could take a picture of like the place card with like a pig stamped on it. Yes. Instead of that chicken, but you you took that away from me. But
0: respect. so turkey for Thanksgiving, we'll have some turkey. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, but I can't wait for the ham on Easter. So we're good.
0: Yeah. No, it's just terrible. Yeah. That's where it started. It started. That's where the food fight started. Was a disagreement yeah, with your pro ham position, and it led to. A- Months of episodes, months of segments where we went through a variety of topics about food. And I just came to the realization, you have very bad food takes.
1: Well, before we end our show here with with our my poor football takes lately as well, um, I, I got to give a shout out. So on Twitter, Melanie Myers has often chimed in on, on our food takes. And I, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, she is Team Ham. Um, but she wrote, uh, wondering our take this week on Christmas decor. So I gotta know what does the broadcore post do on Christmas? Is the tree up? Is it post Thanksgiving? Does it go into January? Our listeners are dying to know.
0: Uh it's first of all, there's a cadence to this. And the the person that she was cited was Brian McClung. He lives in Egan where I live. If I could report into the city, I would. But I'm not that type of person because your Christmas decorations shouldn't be up right now. Your Christmas decorations should be up starting to be put up after thanksgiving those few days so no my christmas tree isn't up um it will be up that couple days after thanksgiving we'll get our Christmas. we'll go cut down our christmas tree the day after thanksgiving and, we'll st- and those decorations we put up i will disclose that we do have an, a couple Halloween decorations still up in my house that we're going to get they're going to get cleaned up today but there's no christmas decorations up right now I mean, that's absolutely inappropriate and if it could be against the law, it should be
1: <laughs> how about you will I respectfully disagree um I of do, course not have, you do. <laughs> I do not have my tree up yet but as um as especially as we went in through covid and then you know every, you know moving into uh being pregnant and having a baby, I feel like the Christmas tree comes out a little earlier every year um so we're pulling it out this week but I also have to say so we're getting married in a couple of weeks which I'm I, apparently just gonna continue to mention on this podcast um And that's at the beginning of December. It's the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I feel like if I don't get it up now, it's not going to be until like the second week of December. And that's just not enough time. I need a full month at least now. So we're going to get it up. You know, I also have a 15-month-old. So it's probably just going to be lights on a Christmas tree and not a lot more because I'm not exactly sure. Um, I have to imagine that he's gonna try to climb the Christmas tree based on his climbing antics. So we're just gonna go a little light this year. I am however, usually by about the first of the year I I we do take it down. we don't we don't go well into January but Speak, not speaking bring the on joy. the Christmas tree and the your lights and the joy and I want to spend just just a couple
0: minutes on your football picks for this week. You are in a very bad spot and I can tell you something you heck you came into this cocky full of swagger <laughs> you had to you, be. Come on. You just and you have just completely blown it. Yeah. Um, we we have a pick'em league in uh, for the breakdown with Bacher and Beck. We have a pick'em league. Uh, Becky has never been in first. She claimed technical difficulties to begin with. But now you have there was a time where and I think you might have said this on air that you expected to come back and be overtake and try to vie, try to claim to be in some position to be in first place. You are in a distant third place right now. And I made it very clear from the beginning what was my objective this for this season. Just to beat me. Beat you, and that's it. Make sure you won't Look. win the league and be you. I don't have to win. As long as I beat you, that was my only objective. And right now I have a if moth is correct, almost I have a ten. nine game I have a nine game I have okay. almost I have a nine game lead right now. Over I am you.
1: aware. I am aware. And it is painful. And so much so that um, under uh, topic number six, Pick'em League, my note is, why is Becky so bad at this in our script today? So, um, uh, uh, you know, a few short weeks ago, I was only down by three. I was really coming back, feeling really good about it. Um, Yeah. And every week I've lost one or two since then, and it's built up to being nine back. And it is sad, and I do not feel good about it. And I want to pretend that there is a lot of time for me to come back, but the you know facts of the matter is it's not looking great for me. So I'm just going to pretend to be bright and cheery and keep my fingers crossed that you uh, really drop the ball here soon, please.
0: Yes. Um, I will just point out part of the reason that I have picked up games is because I always pick the Vikings to win. I have yet to pick the Vikings to lose this entire season. You are approaching it from a very logical perspective. And I, and I don't fault you at all from a logical perspective. And you're you're picking the Vikings to lose some of these games. It's just uh-huh. not going to happen. And so I, I've i really hit a good streak here over the last five games where the Vikings have won five in a row. Um, a couple of those games that you would pick them to lose you picked yesterday for the Vikings to lose to the Saints they won in commanding fashion
1: yeah. and
0: uh, once again we're recording this episode and I'm in full Vikings regalia because as I do Mondays after the Vikings play and they win I always wear Viking garb and I mean, uh, I'm sport and I'm sporting it right now
1: I I really should like take a photo of this I'm dressed in all black you have is that a raincoat or is just yellow it's just a sweatshirt yellow vikings yellow el- purple emblem on it purple hat i'll get up Do you got the viking shoes on
0: i do have the viking shoes on
1: see there we go i mean i am wearing black shirt black pants um i got some gray slippers on uh but you know it's just a little different attire and uh you're all in i i can't i mean man who would have thought come on
0: seven weeks left i think there's i think i think there's time seven weeks left we'll see where we are a couple weeks from now but um, I'm going to enjoy that for the rest of the season because that's seven opportunities to come on this podcast and just – it's going to be a good contrast.
1: Oh, I can't wait.
0: Becky, okay, I want to say in closing that um, I want to thank you for being a part of this over the last year. I couldn't imagine doing this with anyone else. It's been a wonderful experience to get to know you, to, to have conversations with you. You have been just a tremendous uh, partner in this podcast and a great co-host. I've said to you, both in text messages and on previous episodes, you are fantastic at this. You facilitate panel discussions in these podcast episodes better than anyone. You are always prepared. You have a great script. You have great questions, um, and you just do a fantastic job, and you have been such a good partner in contributing to this podcast being a success, and I can't imagine where we're going to be a year from now, but I just wanted to say to you. Thank you for all that you've done and for continuing to do this. Uh, 65 episodes, 70 guests over the last year, and we're in a great position going forward. I just wanted to compliment you and say thanks for all that you've done.
1: Well, and right back at you. Like I said, it literally would not have a product out every week, podcast episode out every week, multiple some week. Despite all sorts of uh, life things going on, um, your ability and you know dedication to making sure we get a good quality product out on, on all our channels every week is just fantastic. So super grateful. Great partnership. It's been fun. Can't wait to do it more. And I'm excited for some of our upcoming episodes.
0: We want to thank you for listening to The Breakdown with Broadcom and Becky. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the platform where you listen. You can leave a review or give us a shout-out on our website or across all social media platforms at, at bbbreakpod. The breakdown with Broadcore and Becky will return next week. Thank you again for listening.